Garth Avery is a board game designer in Seattle, Washington, working on his Lucy Award-winning debut game, Primordial Secrets. This is your debut game, yeah? Uh, yes. Nice. Um, all right. Well, let's take things back a little bit. Let's start with the beginning. So given Primordial Secrets, the beginning seems apt. Um, <laughs> yeah. what, what games did you play growing up with family or friends? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it all started with, uh, I mean, Magic the Gathering was a big one in middle school. Uh, basically, from there, it went to all the different, you know, TCGs, played Pokemon, Star Wars TCG, Star Trek, uh, Legend of the Five Rings, Battletech. We were always just, I mean, it was a whole, like, it was a whole thing back then, right, where they were just, yeah. there was a new TCG every week. So, Cranking yeah, up. we were into all of those. But it was always Magic. I mean, it always came back to Magic. Um Nice. You know, when I was a kid anyway, yeah. What was your favorite uh, deck type as a kid? Uh, as a kid? Let's yeah. see. I had, I still have, it was a, I, I mean, my first deck, I still have it put together for some reason. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was bad. It was, I mean, it was uh, uh, prodigal sorcerers, those things that just like ping for one, uh, counter spells and Sarah angels. Actually, it wasn't so bad. Those are, some of those cards are pretty good, so. Nice. Um, but. I just don't know what the prodigal sorcerers are doing in there, but I guess I just like the art. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever run into the thing? Um, I played Pokemon as a kid and went to tournaments and such. And I always went and I was like, I just want to play my fun deck. And then right. I would get crushed by 40 year olds who had money to buy all the cards they wanted. Yeah. Did you ever go to tournaments or anything like that with magic? Um, yeah. So when I was a kid, it was a different experience. We were all kind of on the same playing field, although some, you know, there was one kid that had a bigger allowance than the rest of us. Uh, <laughs> so he, his deck was always the one to beat, but like also it was the same play group. So we could just gun for him. Like yeah. his whole deck, like the deck he always played was just all those stupid circle of protections. So he just tap one to, you know, prevent all damage yeah. from anything anyway. So I would make sure <laughs> that I had the distant chance for him, but I did start going to uh, tournaments, you know, uh, like at in college in the college years didn't didn't ever do that well never made it to day two of a grand prix or anything so i i think i think i was good i you know yeah i, I just didn't i just didn't make it yeah well maybe in the next life we can all aspire <laughs> right. to pro yeah. magic players <laughs> yeah yeah um cool so that's like the main thing kind of that the notion of building the magic deck gunning for the friend with the best deck um yeah when you started going to tournaments and stuff in college what was your favorite style to play uh well like good question i think i'm <laughs> always like been a, a blue mage at heart the uh i mean all all the different colors of magic have some sort of interaction in some way or another like you're playing creatures just run creatures but i really liked that blue was the one color that really could interact like like with spells and stuff like you yeah. can tell tell people i don't want that spell to resolve and, and and that was that's the only color that can really do that and that that part really attracted me nice nice okay yeah. well i get a a little bit of blue mage vibes from uh primordial secrets uh, or at least in yep. how you played so it makes sense yep. <laughs> uh cool well we'll get to primordial secrets in a little bit but sure i gotta know a few things first if you had to pick two desert island games so two games the only two games you could bring with you to a desert island, what would they be? Um, so presumably I'm alone on this desert island. You so can have of... any number of players with you. <laughs> oh, sick. Yeah, okay, yeah, now, yeah, we're, yeah. now we're talking. Not All just right. solitaire games. All right, cool. Well, I think um, 
I know this isn't this is a bad answer for for a board game designer, but I, I, I'd go with like heads up, you know that one mm-hmm. where it's just like yeah, and then that 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 could be our party game, yeah, and then something then something deep and hardcore with some good replayability. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe like maybe <laughs> maybe magic. I guess even yeah. even now, yeah, that might be my other game. Yeah, you could bring like a cube and you could just draft. Yeah, from cube, it magic cube, yeah. perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nice. nice. Yeah, for for people who don't know, a cube is just like a preset list of magic cards that you can draft from, and then after you're done, you put it all back in the same little cube, and it's all nice. <laughs> um, don't have to buy more packs and whatnot right <laughs> uh cool what would you say i mean this maybe goes back to magic but what would you say your favorite genre of game is then uh yeah i think it's not tcg anymore i know i've been talking about the, like the collectible card games sure i think um i mean those are great those are my you know my childhood but i think currently i think my favorite de- uh, genre is deck builder not to be confused with collectible card game because i i want a deck builder where it all comes in one box. We, you know, start from an even playing field or, you know, and, and go from there. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. And specifically, you want a deck builder where you are building the deck as part of the game. Um, right. Versus. Right, yes. Okay. Right. We're not coming to the table with a deck already built. We're coming. We're building the deck as it goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good genre. I mean, we'll talk about Primordial Secrets, which is a deck builder. Spoiler alert. Yep. Um, but. I yeah, it's so satisfying to build up a deck in a game, like exactly, that. exactly. And it's a, I mean, I just love that it's such a big genre right now, and and people are just constantly proving that there's just so much space to explore in that in that genre. So yeah, yeah. It, um, okay, so hot deck builders. If you will do desert island games, but for deck builders, and it can't be primordial secrets. I'll disallow that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Let's see. I mean, I don't know. I've I've played them all. I think. I mean, it started with Dominion. That was like twelve years ago now. That's a classic. Although I think it's sort of the game that uh, the the giant upon which uh, other games are standing on the shoulders of. Yeah. I think that's the phrase. Um, <laughs> man, uh, I don't know the best ones right now. I'm I'm into Dune Imperium. That's like a deck builder with some like uh, worker placement elements and some direct conflict as well. Cool um that's a good one right now i like mystic veil that's where you're kind of it's more of a card builder where you're actually improving cards Mm. in your deck by sliding like new effects into like the sleeve with the card cool uh that's a fun i just i just love that there's just different ways to go with everything yeah that's um but i'd probably have to if you were on a desert island i'd probably have to bring some classics though too like maybe dominion or ascension okay or wow i mean that's four very different games i haven't played yeah. i don't think i've played any of those i actually haven't played dominion but i've played wow a lot of yeah like you said games that everybody is like oh yeah this is totally just dominion but yeah. in space uh or dominion but blah yeah so many deck builders to choose from so you kind of did the the tcg thing for a while and then got into deck builders mm-hmm. and what made you decide like you know what i want to be a game designer i want to design a game yeah, well, I mean, just about the same time as I started playing Magic, I was already trying to design games. Nice. Uh, it's it just always alerted me that the whole like, you know, setting up a structure, you know, 
giving giving players inter- interesting decisions. Mm-hmm. I've been designing games my whole life, but they've all been bad for one reason or another. <laughs> I have a lot on the cutting room floor. Um, uh, so, but yeah, I've been. I, it's it's always been a passion of mine or a hobby. I say I would say of uh, just exploring what the des- you know, game design space has to offer. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun little challenge in and of itself. So it makes yeah. sense that like if you like building decks, like making those decisions, you would enjoy presenting those decisions to other people right yeah um yeah so we're calling primordial secrets your debut game then so what kind of like pushed you over to the edge to be like i want to publish a game i want to go out there and make something and play test it and go the whole nine yards yeah so i guess a couple of years back now i mean i designed it was actually I designed Primordial Secrets like right off the back of another game that was kind of similar, but didn't quite get there because it was too much of a guessing game. Mm. And uh, I don't know, I designed Primordial Secrets and it actually, and we played it a couple times with my wife or maybe a friend at a bar. And like, I mean, it was real rough back then, but like it showed promise. Yeah. Like for the first time in my life, I'm like, oh, wow, this might be worth pursuing. So yeah, I, you know, tightened it up a little bit and, you know, went from there. Nice. Love a good yeah. bar playtest origin story. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Feels good. Um, I guess, yeah. yeah. So why don't you give a little spiel for what Primordial Secrets is, and then we can talk about some of the more in-depth design things. Uh, sure. So Primordial Secrets is a deck-building game about the sort of the dawn of time. Before the birth of time itself, there was uh, these great like godlike beings called Primordials who held court in this the great void basically politicking and reveling and dancing and devouring and uh you sort of join this pantheon as they do all sorts of as basically they uh seek to gain pawns to entertain and serve and to uh you know be devoted to to you so basically you start with this entourage of lowly musicians and messengers and advisors and every round you'll go out to other realms and return, you know, pay tribute basically to return with more, you know, powerful allies every turn. So your deck gets better and better. And that's the deck building part of it, right? Mm -hmm. The other part though, that I was really passionate about, and this is sort of basically the core of, uh, I don't know, where the, the thought that this game came from is, can we make a deck builder that's as interactive as possible. Basically, a deck builder as interactive as as those other games I like, like Magic and all those other, you know, original sort of combat-oriented TCGs. Yeah. Uh, so, so the the other kind of half of Primordial Secrets are is not only are you making your deck better, but every round you're basically doing a you're choosing which opponent. So it can be more than you can play it two player, three player, or four player. Um, you're choosing which opponent to visit, and then you basically compare. Uh, your hand to their hand, um, and there's there's more to it than that. Um, but yeah. to see if uh, basically there's a stat check to see if uh, if if you have high enough insight, you can steal a secret, which is one of the victory conditions. Uh, steal a secret from that player. But if your insight is lower than their deceit, um, that's when they can basically trick your visitors into. Uh, sacrificing themselves as sort of a housewarming <laughs> gift, right? Yeah. And that's the other way to win, collecting sacrifices. Yeah. So there's that, there's that, com- it's not really conflict. I don't want to say it's conflict. I just like to call it like player interaction slash like counterplay. Yeah. Um, one of your, your party is so good that 
a pawn accidentally stumbles into a trap room and sacrifices himself. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. Nice. Well, I guess like you kind of talked about the inspiration for the mechanics and kind of how it fits together. I got to play this game at Emerald City Comic Con and had a great time. I think we had a, a quite a long game. If, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, what you said. Um, yeah. But it was very enjoyable, and I do like the deck building aspect of it combined with that kind of adversarial. Um, and we played just one v one, and yeah. I I really enjoyed it. Um, but great. I'm curious in the like when you were brainstorming, you talked about that inspiration. When you were brainstorming, did you start with the game mechanics, um, how that was going to work, or did you go to a theme and kind of build off of that? Uh, yes. So. Uh, I started with the theme and mechanics, but the only thing that survived to the version you see now is the mechanics. I see. Because <laughs> uh, when I first designed the game, it was definitely a, it was called, I, I called it something silly, like Halls of Moldrotha or something. And it was mm -hmm. uh, dwarves and trolls and giants, like in, in mountain kingdoms, uh, yes. sort of sort of the same kind of thing where there's like some court intrigue and that sort of thing. But it was more, uh, there was, it was more, it was painted more as like a direct conflict, like instead of visiting you were like raiding and and defending or whatever yeah um so that's that's where that's where we started and it just didn't quite feel right and uh the other big part was that um i was luckily lucky enough to get a really talented illustrator on board uh, uh last year and she is a very unique lady who had some very unique and <laughs> amazing uh art and so we uh uh sort of collaborated on and came to the theme that we are now nice. at now. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. What, um, so what stage was it at when you started collaborating with this artist? Um, so let's see, like in terms of when, how long you'd been working on it or even like, sure. uh, how, yeah, so, how polished it was. Yeah. So I, I guess it was a year after the initial conception uh, when I presented it to her. Um, and at that point, it was still, of course, dwarves and trolls and all that. And mm -hmm. the game was similar in many ways to what it is now. Um, it was The art was all, of course, just like Google image search stuff, placeholders. Mm -hmm. um, there were some, some things that were not quite... Like, one of the big changes shortly after getting her on board was splitting up the the two sort of visiting powers that matter right now there's in the final version there's insight and devotion and you need, you need to have your visitors with high insight so they can go you know which is the stat you check against the host to see but you also need the high devotion that's what lets you return with you know new cards to your deck yeah and in in the initial version they were just this just one number so it was both your like visiting power and your buying power was just one number mm. um and believe it or not, it was still cool enough to pursue, but it, it's way better now that there's uh, some more sort of uh, knobs to tweak. Yeah, that sort of thing. Sounds yeah. like that would have been hard to balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's kind of when you started the art about a year after. That's what you said. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. Nice. Yeah, right about right around December last year is when uh, we started getting. Um, like some of the pieces done nice. and into card frames. So, yeah. Well, if I can say so, I think it's way more unique and like subtle, but also woven well with the theme and the, like the idea with the art that you have now. Um, 
Yeah, thank you. I'm I really happy that. where where it ended up. Like, I would have never gotten there myself. I've always been, you know, a fan of that sort of eldritch horror, cosmic, uh, you know, we as humans are just dust in the wind. There's mm-hmm. so many more great things at work that we could than we can ever comprehend. I love I love that as an idea, but I like n- never would have sort of gone there with with the game, but uh, on my own. But I'm really happy that that's where we ended up. Yeah, cool. And it's got a great vibe to it. Uh it is a little on the darker side. Um yep. but like you said, kind of that the cosmic you are nothing. There are beings yes. so much more powerful than you. And that's actually right. part of the game. You can gather beings that are incredibly powerful. I guess are they called gods? What are the the center? There are several win conditions for your game, right? Which Yes, yes. Um, you mentioned uh, so two the, of them, but the third one is the gods in the center of the playing field, right? Yes. So they yes, they were gods in my initial game design back when it was dwarves and trolls. Mm. But uh since all primordials are basically godlike beings, <laughs> calling them gods just doesn't do them justice. Right, so right. they uh these are <laughs> these are royals. The most powerful cards in the game are royals. Yeah. Nice. And that's so basically at a certain point you collect mo- enough royals that you win the game. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So the idea is that they are sort of just huge haymakers, game swinging, build around cards that sort of incentivize players to maybe strategize around like if you end up with one of those in your deck if you're lucky enough to like recruit one then you'll want to start maybe building around that or strategizing around that and especially strategy strategizing around your opponent's royals if yeah. they do because a lot of them are pretty mean to your opponent so yeah gotta watch out for them yeah and they have different like factions or i mean you mentioned like the tribes yeah. or whatever and each one kind of mm-hmm. has its own thing and they have synergies with the other pawns that exist in the game yeah, one of the things I'm most happy about the, with the game is that there are tribes, and so I, I know tribes are kind of a nod to uh, like a newer player or first player experience, first time player experience, where it sort of gets you pointed in the right direction, right? If mm-hmm. you only if you only recruit abyssals or you only recruit infernals, um, and just sort of build your deck around, you know, going for the blue cards basically or going for the red cards, you'll you'll end up with a pretty decent deck. Um, but what I really like is because, I, I didn't actually mention this explicitly, but every turn everyone draws six cards and chooses three to be your hosting party, basically your defense, and three to be your visitors. So one of the most successful strategies in the game, especially once you've got a, a game or two under your belt, is to sort of focus on one, th- one thing uh, in your, like, to like one specialty for your visiting party and then like kind of a different specialty for your hosting party, Mm. um, which sort of lets you like mix and match archetypes and really gives the, I think provides a lot of replayability slash like player. um, uh, You have, you have the power to craft a deck that, that you want to. Yeah. And I mean, that's the great thing about deck builders, right? It's just like the re- yeah. replayability and the satisfaction of building that up in different combinations yeah. each time. I mean, I think there are some deck builders that fall into the trap of sort of putting players on rails a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. There's like, you know, the designers clearly had a few decks in mind. They, you know, <laughs> yeah. and they made sure that they're all going to like win an equal amount of time. But like there's, you know, there's there's sort of a lot of times a right choice. 
yeah. uh, once, once you get going in a direction. So I tried very much to avoid that. Yeah. Well, it seems to work, or at least I enjoyed it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, let's, so you, you mentioned kind of the, the nod to the first player. So let's talk about playtesting a little bit, like how you landed sure. on some of these things. Uh, yeah. How many playtests do you think you've done uh, from the beginning when it was the Trolls and um, Dwarves game to now? Uh, I, I think about 800. <laughs> no joke. No, yeah. no, no. I played, I played this game a ton. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, over the span of two years or so. Yeah. Two and a half years about, um, I guess the other, uh, the other nice thing is that I've got a, um, like a playtest form and, uh, have been able to collect feedback, especially with the last two versions as we're narrowing in on balance changes, uh, for people that I don't even have to be invo- involved in the game, right? Like people can just hop on my discord server, play a game and form. And that gives me more stats about, you know, making sure nothing's too overpowered. So including those, I'd say we're up to like a thousand maybe. That's awesome. That's great yeah. to get all that that feedback. Yeah. Um, what was the the most broken playtesting interaction, or maybe even like the most informative playtest that you did? Uh, man, I mean, we're on version twenty seven now. Yeah. So uh, there's been, and through the years, there's been a lot of broken things. I think uh, <laughs> version, I think it was like nineteen or twenty, lasted for three days because we were like, oh, that's way too broken. We got to fix it, fix yeah. it right now. Yeah. And that was the. Uh, you know how every deck builder basically has the silver piece, right? Like the one thing that's always available and just improves your deck just a little bit. Right. Uh, in my deck, it's called the familiar. It's just this little mortal pawn. And it's just a little bit better than the cards you start the game with. Um, it At one point, well, right now, it gets added to your next turn's visiting party. So it actually like pumps up your next turn quite a bit. Yeah. Um, at one point, basically, the line of text that's on those familiars that says the first familiar you buy in a turn gets added to your next visiting party, that that line wasn't there. So it said, you know, whenever you buy a familiar, add it to your next turn's visiting party. And that was very dumb. That was just a <laughs> kind of an oversight on my part. Like, so we were all just like, turn two, buy, you know, turn one, buy a familiar, turn two, buy two familiars, turn three, buy six familiars, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. turn four. Like, I don't know, buy everything. And it was very dumb. Uh, so that was, I guess, the most broken. Um, one one game that I thought was really fun and actually, uh, I think it was broken, but like cool in a cool way, mm-hmm. is uh, someone won. Actually, I don't know if he quite won, but he was doing really well. He got his deck down to only six cards. And remember, you draw six cards every turn. Wow. So he's drawing the same exact cards every turn and refusing to buy anything and he was just trying to hold out right he had like a really strong visiting party a really strong hosting party uh and he was just like hoping that that would take him the distance yeah um and i think he only got second place someone started getting royals and and he was he was insistent on sticking with those six cards (laughs) but i think i think it's fun i think that's still kind of possible with the right sort of uh with the right sort of cards and i i like that about the game that really a player can like just try to meme with it and maybe make it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Need to see what players do. I mean, the whole point of playtesting yeah. is to just test right. the limits, I guess. Yep. Um, no, that's funny. So it sounds like you were able to start maybe before the, the pandemic started in playtesting. And, uh, um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I I started my game during the pandemic. So I started mm-hmm. virtually and kind of like built from there. I am yeah. pretty grateful for like the Playtest Northwest community and being able to yeah. do that. Um, and now recently being able to get back into conventions and playtest in person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of curious what your journey was like in terms of going from maybe a few in-person playtests to trying to playtest this online and how it affected the way that the game developed. Right. So yeah, uh, of those thousand playtests, I'd say, you know, 900 of them are on tabletop simulator. Yeah. So that has been a godsend, uh, for for us it's just made it so much easier it's made it so much easier to version like you know i've got i you know i'm pretty versed in you know photoshop and all that stuff so if i want a new and you know to release new version i could or if there's like just three or four cards that need to be updated or Mm -hmm. or whatever just put it right in there and then all of a sudden everyone that plays has the most up-to-date version i just love it yeah um but there's something very different about playing in person especially with a game like this where there's some there's some sort of there's elements of bluffing slash like reading your opponents slash um you know that that sort of that sort of mind game um might be a little lost in the digital version yeah um plus there's things that you need to find out if they're work like on tabletop simulator there's a button that just says reveal and then all the cards are revealed but in person like you know, we have to flip over all six cards every turn. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's certainly something to, it's, it's certainly a different experience. Yeah. Just the physicality of the game or like yeah. the, the presence of other humans <laughs> in right. your game. Both of those things I definitely yeah. agree with, especially element of surprise being a lot of take that it's like, okay, you end up stealing other people's resources. Like part of the appeal of like the, the party aspect of it is, being with other people and like seeing their reactions to certain things right, or even exactly. like reaching across the table to grab the chips that are in the center, like uh, <laughs> yes. stuff like that that you just don't have to worry about in tabletop simulator, I think has been really right. important to get some of that feedback. Right. Um, I do kind of want to ask you about your game has, you can play two, three or four player. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. And mm-hmm. so I want to ask you about playtesting for the different player accounts and how you yeah. kind of manage to do some balance tweaks or anything based on the variability that comes when you have two to four players. I think it's a pretty mm-hmm. big difference. Yeah, it is a big difference. So one of the things that is, uh, uh, I, I, I'm sorry if I keep talking about my game, I'm just kind of proud of it. But one of the things that's cool, I think, is the, uh, the intense. There's these cards called intense. Um, and there, so everyone at the start of the turn, you draw six, secretly put three hosts, three visitors. And the other thing you do secretly is play an intent card. And basically, they're just fingers pointing at certain players. Uh, so, um, and sometimes they have modifiers, sometimes they have other effects like forcing a player to visit you. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of this, I, those started in a very different place. It was just every turn, or, you know, every every round you're visiting a different person. Then we found that it was very interesting to uh, let let players have some more uh, power over who they visit. Mm-hmm. And, and then it became, I mean, at one point there was, it was a bad strategy to build a defensive deck because once people saw that you had a lot of high deceit, uh, they would just avoid visiting you. Um, so then we added in the invitation cards, which basically forces players to visit you. 
Uh, and then that sort of made this, then it made building a deceit deck really powerful again. Yeah. And, and, but it also added all this like cool counterplay that, that we're really happy with. Um, but that said, yeah. And it, so in a two player game, the intent cards are maybe a little bit less important. There's, there's one intent card that says I'm not visiting you at all, which is powerful later in the game when you, when you have like a weekend, for instance. Yeah. Um, and there's some other things, like some modifiers and stuff like that. But uh, in three and four player games, why I think they're kind of in a lot of ways cooler than the two player game is that that whole uh, interplay of I'm visiting this person. I know these, this person has a lot of um, abyssals and I have a visitor that silences abyssals. So mm-hmm. whenever I have that card, I'm going to visit this player. And whenever I have a card that, you know, um, but they're, they're, their hosting party is strong otherwise, so I'm going to try to visit the other player as much as possible, except when I have this one thing that stops their strategy. Um, but then that gets all, then, then the wrenches get thrown in when they start inviting you over when you're not ready for it. Yeah. Um, uh, so that, that, gets, that gets kind of, I don't know, really interesting to me. Um, the other thing that's interesting with a three- and four-player game versus the two-player game that you and I had is in a two-player game, you can only visit once per turn, and you can only be visited once per turn. Um, in a three- or four-player game, all of your rivals could decide to visit you on one particular round. Mm-hmm. Um, and that gets really swingy, especially if you have cards that have like a powerful hosting effect, something that maybe lasts longer than the turn. Yeah. Uh, things like the Sculptor that adds a familiar to a hosting party and then boosts everything up. Like the first time that happens, it's balanced. The second time someone visits you with that, uh, that starts getting really powerful. And if like in your four player game, all three people visit you when you've got a sculptor, there's no, that fourth, that, that last player has no chance. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think that's fun. I mean, it's we weren't too concerned about balancing everything with that because like it sort of balances out. Everyone has an opportunity to, to get these sort of cards, uh, but it does produce some swingier games. It actually produces shorter games sometimes which is kind of unusual for a you know a a high player count game yeah but when you get three or four players like there's you know someone could be three secrets away from or three sacrifices away from victory and then get all three of those in the in one round if everyone visits them when they have a strong hosting party for instance yeah uh so that's it, it gets a little bit more wild yeah yeah no that's fun um and i i think that's like where I think a lot of playtesting, you get the interaction and I think reading what happened and how players feel about it is often as important as getting player feedback. Like part of the feedback is their reaction and their emotion. Yeah. And so I, I like that you kind of like you're talking about you added this intent card and originally it was just, okay, you're rotating kind of like visiting a, another person and then over time added more choice to players and even if it makes the yeah. game a bit swingier if that's like a very satisfying swinginess to the game yeah then you just kind of lean into it a little bit and i think that's fun yes we definitely leaned into the swinginess the haymakers the big powerful effects this is not a game if you're into like those euro style games where there's you know incremental advantages um i mean Maybe you'll, you might enjoy this this game, but it's more 
more of the big kind of the big the big swings. That's that's sort of what we're trying to get yeah. across. Yeah. And there still are, from my experience, there still are the incremental advantages. There's still the strategic element to. Oh it. yeah, there's yeah, there's some yeah, there's some strategic stuff, but yeah, but when the big turns happen, they're big. Yeah, which is cool. Um, I do want to shift gears a little bit and talk about sure. publishing. Uh, yeah. So you got a bunch over 800 playtests in, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're kind of ramping up. Uh, it sounds like to do a Kickstarter when we talked at Emerald City, you said yeah. you wanted to go the Kickstarter route. Right. What made you settle on going with a Kickstarter? Uh, I agency, I guess, yeah. uh, uh, with, I think the game is good enough to, I mean, it's worthy of being, uh, on game shelves, I believe. So, yeah. I want people to play it and I don't want to wait for someone else to see the merit of it, you know, and, and go through all this whole hullabaloo and getting approvals and, and all of that. I'm not opposed to a publisher picking up my game, but I'm not going to wait for that, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, plus in my, I'm, I have a marketing background, which is the basically the extra step right on top of mm -hmm. on top of building a good game if you want to do kickstarter the whole the whole second half of the process is is marketing and getting the word out um yeah and i think i kind of have a head start on that front so uh it seemed like a natural fit for us yeah that's great i i don't think that i've interacted with a ton of game designers from a marketing background so <clears throat> sounds like you uh you have a leg up in that regard so it makes total sense that you would go the kickstarter route with wanting to kind of like have see your vision through and not get right. it stuck in like a two-year pipeline um yeah especially as you said if uh, deck builders are hot right now then yeah. it seems like a good thing to do to get it out as soon as possible i know right i mean just at seeing all the different games at pax and like they're they have the whole unpub room mm -hmm. which is all these unpublished games and all these new games and it's just like just like thousands of games are coming out every like week it seems yeah so it i mean i don't know if I wait two years, I'll, someone's going to like, the idea is not, not complex or crazy enough that it's not going to get made some, someday by someone else. Like if I don't jump on it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, did, so you have not pitched the game to any publishers. You're full steam ahead on the Kickstarter. Uh, I, I mean, at PAX, I did actually have one pitch meeting, nice. uh, just sort of came up. Um, I, I reached out to a publisher, uh, one of the big ones, and they agreed to have a pitch meeting. So that was an interesting experience. It was very fun. Uh, but I, I, I don't think I was at my most eloquent during the, our half hour. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm going to get an email back, but it was, a, it was a fun little experience anyway. Yeah. Good practice regardless for right, yeah. just the pitch. Yep. Cool. Uh, on that front, uh, do you have a timeline for wrapping up playtesting or polishing and trying to get this thing into a Kickstarter? Yeah, so the next step is to get some proper, high-quality prototypes uh, delivered to my house, and then I can, so that I have some to send out to previewers. Cool. So basically, I'm not putting a date on it until I have those prototypes in my hand. But like, I mean, that's this weekend, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Uh, I've already got the box figured out. Uh, thank you for pointing me in the right direction to sure. those folks. Uh, and um, the the tough part is the player mats. I'm still working on that. But yeah, once I get a prototype, then we'll then we'll have those in hand. Then I can reach out to to some previewers and set a date for the Kickstarter. 
uh, one of my friends was doing a Kickstarter and, and he rushed it because um, he had basically set a launch date and lined up too many things to change that launch date. But then stuff then stuff started getting fallen behind and he didn't have enough time to get the proper preview videos, yeah. uh, which is important for a Kickstarter. And, you know, so he had to basically, you know, cancel the, the Kickstarter because it, it, the game wasn't ready. Yeah. And at that point, you have to put in like hundreds of dollars into Facebook ads and that sort of thing to properly get the word out for a game, you know, to have moderate success. So yeah. it's a it's a it's a big commitment to have to pull out. So I, I want to make sure everything's right before I do it. Yeah. Good luck. Um, Thanks. I will probably pick your brain about some of the go to market strategies. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that you do in Primordial Secrets, but I'll yeah. hold off on that for now. Um, yeah. I haven't done a blog yet and I've, I've been meaning to, I mean, I love your blog. I was poking through there and I think, I mean, it's important to have that sort of, that sort of um, medium. So you can actually just share your thoughts and just let yeah. people know, know about you. But when I start a blog, which has to happen soon, that's <laughs> definitely going to be a lot of what it's about is, is just the, you know, the experiences I have with, these last few stages, not, not necessarily the, the game design, but uh, you know, everyone, there's a lot of, there's a lot of tricks and, and, and pitfalls of the, the next few steps. So yeah. Of all the, the crowdfunding stuff. And I'm sure that there would be a ton of people who are very interested in reading about that. So yeah, let me know yeah. if you get that started and I'll um, give a little shout out or whatever. Sure. Yeah. If I can. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I like the game a lot, Primordial Secrets. I think it's going to be on my game shelf whenever that happens, whenever the Kickstarter happens. Good, we got one. We got right. one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also, I do really like, this is kind of in the same vein of marketing, I do really like the Instagram that you set up with all of the the artwork kind of previews, even well before it sounds like what you're uh, targeting in terms of timeline for releasing the Kickstarter, but all of the preview art is so high quality and um, I think really compelling for the theme of your game and kind of tying it all together. So I guess I just want to commend you on that. I don't really have a question for you, but <laughs> no, thank you. But I mean, yeah, it's like work with what you've got, right? So we had good art pretty early before we really had a lot of the other stuff in place. So starting Instagram, that's perfect medium for that. And, you know, since we've got the art start, it's never too early if you've got the right you know, pieces, the right content. So that's, that's what that's about. Yeah. Super exciting. Um, okay. Well, I guess, is there anything else you want to say about primordial secrets? Uh, no, I mean, uh, I don't think so. I'm, I've been, I've been, uh, uh, working hard on it the last couple of weeks, you know, I've, <laughs> I've kind of a fire has been lit under me after all these conventions that we've been to. So, um, I think you can look for more progress, more, hardcore progress soon cool yeah best of luck thanks it's a busy time so yeah <laughs> more power to you well right. i'm gonna shift gears a little bit and then we'll just do a few little wrap-up questions sure um i asked this to to courtney for my first interview but that was right before thanksgiving this is kind of right before christmas mm -hmm. so i gotta know what is your favorite pie um it's a tough one. Yeah. Um, Hardest hitting question all interview. I know. I know it's a tough <laughs> one. I think. I think maybe blueberry. Whoa! Is that crazy? Nice. Yeah. Okay. A blueberry pie. So like a, yep. a crust with like a a sugary blueberry filling. Yep. Yep. 
Blueberry, you get good good amount of sugar. Nice. Yeah. With like ice cream or whipped cream or something? Yeah, I guess preferably ice cream, but whipped cream is also amazing. Yeah. Tasty. All right, I'm on board. You got me. <laughs> Maybe I'll do a blueberry pie sometime. Yeah. Um, so we just talked a lot about Primordial Secrets and you mentioned that you've been working on games a lot. Are there any other projects that are kind of on the horizon for you? Are you like sticking heads down to Primordial Secrets for now? No, yeah, it's not, not for me. For me, I'm all in on this one. I know a lot of game designers have a couple, a couple things on the burner. For me, I found a good idea. I, it's probably going to be the only good idea I ever have. So it's just <laughs> all in. Yeah. I don't know about that. So I guess that uh, is a follow-up then. Are, do you think this will be the the game that you make and then you'll move on with your life and just buy other games? Or do you think you would continue designing? I mean, I think I would leave the window open for expansions or something. But I really... Because I think there's you know, there's more to explore with uh, the, the kind of core mechanics sure. that we're presenting. Um, I don't think... I would immediately go out and try to start designing another thing personally. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, at the the end of each of my blogs, I do a game of the week. And last week, actually, you were on it. The Primordial Secrets oh. game was on the game of the week section of my wow. blog. Um, so I need to ask you what your game of the week is. I'm going to say you can't choose Primordial Secrets again, but a game that you've been thinking about, been playing, etc. Maybe it's something you played at PAX. Yeah, so I played a lot of new games at PAX. Uh, uh, a lot of them I really liked. Um, I guess I have two that I've played the last couple days since I've been home from PAX that I just had, I couldn't wait to play with my wife who didn't go to PAX with me. So those being Whirling Witchcraft by AEG, mm-hmm. uh, sort of a, a silly, um, a silly game where you're trying to make each other's cauldrons overflow by you know making. <laughs> making too many frogs or spiders or mushrooms or whatever cool. it's silly but they're really fun and uh radlands just came i kickstarted this uh you know way back and they finally uh, uh finally arrived in the mail yesterday uh played a game today at lunch and i am thoroughly impressed so i can't wait to play a little bit more of that nice those both sound quite fun i'll have to yeah give them a look and i'll add them in the Perfect. games of the week Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I appreciated uh, getting the insight into your game and some of the things you got going moving forward. Good luck with all the stuff you're working on with Primordial Secrets. I'll be on the lookout for the Kickstarter for sure. Great. Thanks for having me. You're such a great listener. So thanks for letting me ramble about my game. No problem. I love to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And you can check out Primordial Secrets at primordialsecrets.com. That's primordialsecrets.com. They have a Kickstarter running that's actually funded, so super exciting for them. They just went to Gen Con, and I know they'll be at Emerald City Comic Con out in Seattle. And check it out. Tell your friends.